How are you this morning? Doing well? Doing well? Let's see, how do I, with the last week that we've had, how do I phrase this? How do I ask you this? Um, How has your winter, spring, glimpse of summer, back to winter, spring been? How are you today? How's that going? But here we are, though. Here we are, gathered to celebrate the risen Jesus, right? Uh, My name's Derek. And uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and and I want to join the other voices who have already said, welcome, glad that you are with us this morning. It's good to see all of your faces. Um, Thanks for being with us at Faith Church. And I also, uh, we've also done this already before, but I also want to join in the fun of saying, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Good. He is risen indeed. There's a church tradition that when you're greeted with he is risen or you're greeted with Christ is risen, that you respond that way. So it's fun to do together, I'm sure. If you're on your toes, you'll have a couple more opportunities. But he is risen indeed, right? Jesus is alive. So what? I mean, yeah, yeah. So what? Is there significance to us 2,000 years later? What, what is the meaning of an empty tomb? And what difference does it make For us today, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, this will be on the screen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone knows Christ, if anyone has been rescued by Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, or I'm sorry, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's why I'm standing up here. Salvation through Christ, transformation, new life, Old, gone, new, come is the reason I'm standing up here. The reason I do what I do is because Jesus has changed my life. And I want that for you. I want that for you that know Jesus. I want you to have that continued transformation and joy that only the Lord provides. Not that life is perfect, but that walk with the Lord. And for those of you that don't yet know Jesus, I want you to find that true life is in Jesus Christ. That's why this church exists. That's why Faith Church exists, is that to help people meet the risen and very much alive Savior of the world, Son of God, fully man, fully human, Savior Jesus. That's why this church exists, is so that you'll find hope that the old can be gone, that the old life, that the old ways, the sinful rebellion can be gone, and that new creation, new life in Jesus can be found. It's why, as I look around the room, why many of you are here this morning, because I know many of your stories, and I know that many of you are here this morning because Jesus has changed your life, because you are here to celebrate the risen Jesus. Thankful that he has changed you for the better. Thank you that he has brought you out of darkness and into the light, out of doom to hope. Christ is risen. risen So as we think about this morning, being changed into a new person, the work that God wants to do in our life through the resurrected Jesus, because he is alive, you and I can be truly alive as well, now and eternally. So as we think about the work that God wants to do in transforming people into new people, into a new person, changing everything, One of the examples I want to talk about this morning, we're going to learn a little bit about his life, is uh, in the Bible, we we talked about him as uh, the Apostle Paul. And uh, the Apostle Paul ends up being 
a leader in the early church. He ends up being God writing through him. He ends up being the author of much of the New Testament portion of our Bible. But prior to being that Paul, he was known as Saul. And he is an example this morning that I want to look at his life and see what happened when he met the risen Jesus. So on the screen here, we'll have Galatians 1, verse 13. This is Paul writing about himself. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. There's the before picture. He continues on. Verse 15, but when he, God, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, when God was pleased to reveal his son Jesus to me in order that I, who had violently persecuted the church so that I might actually then proclaim good news in Jesus to the world. How's that for an after? And in the next, or a couple verses later, Paul continues writing this about, him, about how people responded to him. They watched his life and they said, wait a second, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The persecutor, are you tracking with this? The persecutor becomes the preacher. That is a totally different life. That is a new person. And then the very next verse says, and they glorified God because of me. So what brought about that dramatic change? Well, I mean, I've already spoiled the punchline. What what brought about that dramatic change? Friends, he met the risen Jesus. We heard the before, we heard the after, and in between, he met the resurrected, very much alive Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. So, I want, to, I want us to hear more about Saul's journey, about his life, and God's pursuit of him. In a moment, we'll do that. But before that, I want to just take a minute here and remind ourselves, where are we at? Easter weekend, 2022, what's the significance again? What are we remembering? What are we celebrating? First of all, there was Good Friday. On Friday, we, we call it Good Friday as we remember and reflect on Jesus' death on the cross. If you were with us on Friday evening, we talked about, we kind of asked the question of, why the cross? Why was Jesus' death necessary? Was that the only way for God to save us, to make a way for us to know him, to adopt us into his family, to change our lives forever? Why Why the cross? Why Jesus' death? Good Friday, we reflect on the cross. We reflect on Jesus' death. We We reflect on that part of God's rescue plan. Because church family, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We reflect on Jesus' death and we reflect on the cross because that was the only way the only way to make things right and for God to rescue us. So before we continue in our celebration of the risen Christ, before we return to the joyous mood of Easter, 
it is significant on Easter weekend. It is critical, I believe, to consider if we know that about ourselves. Are we aware of our complete inability to match up to God's holy and righteous standard? Do you and I know how desperately we need help? Do you, are, are we aware of the fact that apart from the God's work through Christ, we have no chance of, of making the, the hard parts of our life right, much less finding new life with God? The cross was the only way. Now, you know, we're going to hear a little bit more about Paul's life, and, and, you're gonna, and you might be thinking to yourself, yeah, but I'm not that bad. He was a persecutor. It said he was violently trying to destroy the church. Well, maybe that's not your issue. Maybe that's not my issue. But do you relate to any of this? Do you relate to journeying through your life and discovering that I just, I can't, I can't fix it. Something hurts. Something's broken. Something's missing. I can't fix it. I can't save myself. I can't find my own way to God. I give in to temptation. I do things I know that are not good for me. I go against God's best for me. Do we relate to any of these things? Do we find ourselves going our own way, thinking we've got it figured out, thinking we know the best plan, thinking we don't need God's help? We fall into sin, and then, and we hurt those around us. We fail to love well. We fall into sin and rebel against God and go against his good ways. And then, and then you know what? Do you relate to this part? I turn away, and then I go do it again. We fall into the same sins. We have these patterns. We need to find freedom. But trying hard, pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps, trying hard to be a good person, working hard to do the right things to please God, it goes nowhere. The only way was the cross. My friend friend Pastor Jake reminded me this morning of a, a viral video where... A sheep is being tugged and tugged and helped and carried and lifted. The sheep is stuck in a ditch. And the sheep is being lifted and tugged and carried and rescued and delivered out of the ditch. Anybody know what happens to the sheep next? Not just he ends up in the ditch like on accident, he slips in there. I mean, there's one video where the dude runs, runs, boing, and jumps right back in the ditch. And we have fun with that. <laughs> We should, we have fun with that, and we chuckle at that, but good grief I do that. Pulled out and running back to rebellion against God. Something's wrong. We fall short. And so with that as the backdrop, I love how Tim Keller describes the good news of the gospel. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves 
than we ever dared believe. We have to come to grips with this first, friends. Before we get to the good news of what Jesus has done for us, we have to go, am I okay with acknowledging this before God? That I am more sinful and flawed in myself than I ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted because of Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So, We said, let's take a minute to think about what is this? What is Easter weekend? Why Friday? Why Sunday? There's no better time than Easter weekend to consider Jesus. And and yes, I'm talking to those who don't yet follow Jesus, who who aren't even sure they believe that Jesus is a thing. But I'm also talking to those of you that are followers of Jesus, that there's no better time than Easter weekend than to consider Jesus, the risen, very much alive rescuer of the world, for us to ponder his perfect life, his life without sin. He lived the life that you and I cannot live. It's a great weekend to ponder the fact that he died the death we deserve, that he substituted himself, that he took our sin on his shoulders, that he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and died the death we deserve in our place. It's the weekend to to reflect on that. And then, it's Easter morning. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. The empty, the tomb is empty. The empty tomb, the tomb is empty. Either way, it's true. He's alive. The gospel good news about Jesus is, is cross and empty tomb. Life and death, or she says death and life. The gospel good news is, is both cross and empty tomb. It's Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that makes it a way for us to be in relationship with God, to be forgiven of our sin, to be made right with him, to be put back in his family. So with that as, as what we are celebrating on Easter weekend, let's, let's uh, hear a bit more about this guy, Saul Paul. If you've got a Bible with you, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. If you don't have one with you, it's okay. You'll be able to hear, listen to me read it. But if you have a Bible, pull it out. Or if you have a device with a Bible app on it, open your app and turn or find Acts chapter 9. And I want to see together what happened when Saul met, encountered, interacted with the risen Jesus. Give you just a moment there. Turn to Acts chapter 9. All right, as we get started here in Acts chapter 9, it jumps right in with another glimpse of the before picture of what Saul's all about. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, against the followers of Jesus, he went to the high priest and he asked the high priest for these letters so that he could go to another place. He had already wreaked havoc on Christians where he was, and now he's looking for permission to take his murderous threat havoc elsewhere. This is the before. 
is Saul breathing threats and murder and asking for permission to go to Damascus. What does it say in verse 2? So that he, if he finds anyone belonging to the way, that's a, a reference to any believers in Jesus, anybody who would consider themselves a Christian. Paul is saying, I'm gonna, I want permission because I've already done a lot of persecution here. I want to go to a new town. And if I find anyone in verse 2 belonging to the way, men or women, I want to bring them bound, arrested back to Jerusalem. So as Saul went on his way, verse 3, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, Saul heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise And enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Saul, who had heard of Jesus executed and thought it was for the better, just saw and heard the risen Jesus. I I love, before we keep going, What we need to see here is is the picture of a pursuing God. Here is a guy who is an enemy of Christians, an enemy of the cross, an enemy of Jesus, in complete rebellion, going his own way, wanting to wreak more havoc, no interest at all in finding God and the good news through Jesus. But guess what God is doing? pursuing him. I think we sang a song a few minutes ago. I loved it. I think it said something like, he chased me down when I was lost. I want to sing that lyric again. Because it's true of Saul, and it's true of every one of you who has become a follower of Jesus. That he chased you down while you were lost. We have a God who, it's his initiative to save. It's nothing we do. Paul wasn't looking to get saved. And it's nothing we do by our efforts or trying to be a good person or see what we can do. It's God's initiative to save, and he saves even someone who's, treating, who's being an enemy. This is an act of grace. This isn't something that Saul earned. This is God's grace, a gift, a pursuing God who loves and comes after us. So let's keep going. Verse 7. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice. Can you imagine that, being with Saul? Hearing the voice, but seeing nobody. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. He was blind. So they led him by the hand, brought him into Damascus. And for three days, Saul was without his sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Here, his physical blindness here is a picture of his spiritual blindness. It's directly indicative of the fact that he does not see reality spiritually. He is not seeing God for who he is. And though he is blind physically, Saul knows that he has seen Jesus. And and has this ever happened to you? And in coming face to face with God for the first time, Saul starts to see himself more accurately. In coming face to face with the risen Jesus, Saul realizes how utterly wrong 
his life is. Verse 10. Now there was a Jesus disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And Ananias said, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to serve. I'll do what you want. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Ananias, rise and go to the street called Straight. Okay, so far so good. I think I know where a street called Straight is. It's a good name for a street. (laughs) Go to the street named Curvy. No. Go to the street called Straight. So far so good. Ananias is tracking. I can do that. And at the house of Judas, look for a man. Okay, that's good. Uh, The man is from Tarsus. Okay. The man is named Saul. So the Lord speaking to Ananias says, Go to this house, find a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. Saul has seen a vision of a man named Ananias who will come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now, here's where the gulp came on Ananias' part, verse 13, Ananias answered, uh, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here, he has authority now from the chief priests to bind or arrest all who call on your name. We know why he came to Damascus, Ananias is saying. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. For Saul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the non-Jews and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him, for I will show Saul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Church family, I said that that I do this, that this church exists because we want people to meet the risen Christ and be changed be changed for the best, and be changed forever. And I wish I could tell you that when you surrender your life to Jesus, that everything would be better. But I won't, because it's not what the Bible shows us. I wish I could tell you that if you surrender your life to Jesus, realizing I can't do this by myself, I can't save myself, I don't know what to do, I'm broken, I'm hurting, this is messed up. If you give your life to Jesus, I wish I could promise you that all your troubles would go away. But what Jesus just said there was, I'm going to show Saul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So there's no tricks here. I want you to walk with Jesus. But life is going to continue to be a roller coaster of pain and trial and hardship and suffering but Jesus will be with you. But you'll have Jesus to walk with you through it. And in Jesus, there is life. I want you to know that in Jesus, there is life. Life now, rich, full, abundant, Meaningful, I said not perfect. I said, I didn't say without pain, but rich, full, meaningful, joyful life with Jesus and life eternal in the presence of God when we get beyond this earthly journey.
How are we doing so far? Everybody tracking with me? Christ is risen. Because see, some of us ate a bunch of pancakes and other goodies a little while ago, and I really need you to fight off the food coma. We really got to fight the food coma off for a few more minutes, okay? Verse 17. So Ananias departed and, and did what he was told. He entered the house and laying his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with God's Holy Spirit. So this is just, is this amazing? What was Saul out to do? Instead of Saul laying his hands on Christians, Jesus just laid a hold of Saul. Didn't he? Pursuing, came after him, an enemy. No, he said, I got you. I got plans for you. You're mine. And I'm going to use you for my good purposes. I love this too. Ananias' name, it means God is gracious. Ananias' name means God is gracious. So while Saul is walking this way with this scowl on his face and doing these things and doing whatever he wants, God, the pursuing God, the rescuing God, chooses a man whose name means God is gracious to chase him down and bring him into God's family. Ananias' name means God is gracious. And Ananias was a conduit of God's grace to Saul. And again, Saul didn't do anything to earn his salvation. This is God's free gift of grace. Salvation, being made right with God, being brought into his family, is a gift of God. It's his grace. It's his work, not ours. And we receive the gift by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. By recognizing we can't do it by ourselves, that we fall short and we give our life instead, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived and died and rose again so that we too might truly live. So verse 18 tells us what happens with Saul. And immediately... Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he, remained, and he regained his sight. And so he rose and was baptized and then he was taking food and he was strengthened. And now his, his physical blindness was an indicator of his spiritual blindness. And now the scales have fallen from his eyes and we have this picture and, and literally true that his physical blindness is, rest, is restored, is healed. And along with it now, he is spiritually seeing. He is spiritually alive. He is seeing God for who he is. He is seeing the, the true identity of Jesus. His eyes have been opened. His heart has been opened. And he has become a follower of Jesus. And so now, so now, Saul, united to Jesus by faith, he, he has put his trust in Jesus. He's united with Jesus. The Spirit of God comes to live within Saul and is transforming him from the inside out. And then Saul goes, man, I have been changed. I am a new person. I need to tell the world. And so he's baptized. And we got to celebrate this just last Sunday as a church family. A baptism where, where in this case, Saul identifies himself with the death of Jesus, dying to our old selves, and he identifies himself in baptism with being raised up out of the water like the risen Jesus to new life and that we can have new life in him. So, so Saul says, Jesus has made me a new person. 
He's transformed my heart, and I want to tell the world through my baptism. Verse 19, or halfway through 19. For some days, Saul was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately Saul proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Remember where he was? Remember why he came to Damascus? And do we hear what he's doing now? And all who heard Saul were verse 21, and all who heard Saul were amazed and said, "Isn't this the guy who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? Has he not come here for this purpose to arrest all of us?" Verse 22, "But Saul increased all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the promised rescuer. Saul had come to Damascus completely against the way of Jesus. And now, and now, our great God is using Saul, where? In Damascus, to tell people how great Jesus is. Is that a change? Is that a new life? Is that a completely different person? What happened in between Saul's before and Saul's after? He met the risen Jesus. Christ is risen. He is risen. In between, he met the risen Jesus. And so the persecutor is now the preacher. And what does that mean for you? When you meet the risen Jesus, what might he want to do with you? What plans might he have for you? And again, I'm talking to those of you who need to put your trust in Jesus for the first time. But I'm also talking to those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a while. What might Jesus want to do with you? Have you met the risen Jesus? Been forever changed? Been made into a new person? Remember, let's look at that verse we looked at a few minutes ago here. 2 Corinthians 5 again will be on the screen. And let's look at it again. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's put his faith in Christ, he's become a believer. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Our old lives, our sinful tendencies, our old way of living, behold, the new has come. And then just a couple of verses later, that same passage of Scripture says, we implore you, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I, I, uh, I don't know how you, you know, how do you experience your day-to-day when you get up in the morning and you think about your schedule and you plan out your day when we think about how we all got to this room this morning, I think a lot of us, including myself, think that we're here because we chose to be. I set my alarm. I got up. I put on a shirt that looked a little Easterish. I showed up where I was supposed to show up at the time I was supposed to show up because that's the thing we should do on Easter. I think a lot of us fall into the to the the misperception that we're here because we chose to be. I think we're here because the grace of God pursued us. Whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, I think we're sitting in this room because by God's grace, he pursued us, chased us down while we were lost, took a hold of our lives, brought us to him, forgave our sin, 
called us to live for him, changed our life, brought us out of darkness and into the light, out of death and into new life. And not only did he rescue us into eternal salvation, but then he began to change us from the inside out, making us into a new person, giving me a new heart and a new mind and new attitudes and new desires. I think that's why you're here. Because our God is after you. And because he wants to work in you. And because he wants your life to never be the same again. For you to walk out of here a completely different person than you were before. Be reconciled to God, the passage says. The gospel good news of Jesus is spectacular news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But the gospel good news demands a response. It gives us an opportunity to respond. It gives us an opportunity to put our trust in Jesus for our salvation for the first time or to recognize yet again that I still need him, that I still tend to go my own way, that I still tend to live for myself, And I need to believe in the gospel and put my trust in Jesus. The risen Jesus pursues and offers you forgiveness and and rescue and new life. And so if you recognize your need for Jesus, look, if you're here this morning and if any of this has made any sense and if God is working in your heart and life and if by his word you are considering things in a new way, if you recognize that you need Jesus and you want to live for him, Salvation is not what we do. It's not what you do. Salvation is not about what I try hard, match up, earn, do enough. Salvation is all about what Jesus has already done. His perfect life, his substitutionary death on the cross, and his victorious resurrection from the dead, that's how you can be part of God's family is by putting your faith in Jesus. So I urge you to entrust yourself to give your life to Jesus by faith. The Bible says perhaps today is the day of salvation. And then I want you to do this. If you know you need Jesus and you know you want to give your life to him, don't walk out the door this morning without letting somebody know. If, you have a, if there's a follower of Jesus sitting near you, a family member, or a friend, they want to know. You need to tell them. Don't walk out of here without telling someone that Jesus has chased you down while you were lost and grabbed a hold of you and brought you into his family. Let someone know. Let a believer know. Let me know. Let any of the the people you've seen up front, followers of Jesus, let us know so we can help you, serve you, tell you what difference Jesus has made in our life. The cross and the empty tomb. The cross and this morning's empty tomb. Life and death significance. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has life-changing implications. It did for Saul. It has for many of you. And it will for those of you who find 
a way to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Meet the risen Jesus today. Be changed for the best. Be changed forever. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, we are so thankful for an opportunity to gather together. We are so thankful for this celebratory day, this glorious day, Resurrection Sunday. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us together, for giving us the gift of your word, the Bible, so that we can consider what you've done. Father in heaven, we, we, we've taken this opportunity to reflect on the cross, on the sacrifice of your son. And God, thank you for the opportunity this morning to consider how empty that tomb is. How Jesus is very much alive, reigning from the right hand of God and active in our lives today. Father, thank you for the reality of the risen Jesus, his victorious resurrection from the dead. And God, I pray that everyone here, everyone here on this, in this room, everyone joining us online would encounter the risen Jesus today whether it's for the first time coming to know him or whether it's yet again in our lives saying we need you. I pray that each one of us would encounter the risen Jesus. Be saved. Be changed. Be new people. Be new people. Not that have perfect lives. Not that whose circumstances are all perfect and cleaned up all of a sudden, but God, give us, as you save us, as you transform us, may we be a people that live for your glory, not our own. We love you, Lord. We are so thankful for the cross that you sent your son, that he lived, died, and rose again so that we could gather on Resurrection Sunday and celebrate the empty tomb. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. As we continue our worship time together, we'll uh, do as we often do. We'll, uh, as we always do, we worship in, in different ways. We worship in lifting our voices, certainly. We worship God in our prayers and in our study of his word. And we also worship God through our generous giving. Uh, God's generous financial provision for this church is through the generosity of his people. And we're thankful for you as you partner with us in that way. God invites us to worship out of thankfulness and give, not because we have to give, but because we desire to out of thankfulness and out of a cheerful heart. So we're going to take an offer, take this time for worship through offering. And then in a moment, you're going to have a chance again to stand and lift our voices and worship through song. And I just want to encourage us with this. The prophet Isaiah writes for you, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. So let this be made known in all the earth. So in a few moments when we stand again and when we lift our voices, I encourage you to sing praises to the Lord, making known to all the earth what God has done for us through Jesus. So let's worship in giving and then lift our voices in joyful thanksgiving.